Well, good morning. Welcome to Mosaic on this chilly, a little bit chilly out there morning. I was just telling someone the other day, I can't believe it was just a little over a week ago that it was close to 80 degrees. Now it's cold and snowy and um, I'm not a fan of the cold. Some of you know that if you know me, but um, I do have to be honest when the snow starts to fall. Uh, I do get excited for Christmas. It feels like Christmas when the snow comes, and uh, I always look forward to that. And uh, when I was a kid, talk a little bit when I was a kid here, um, something that I loved about Christmas was toys, right? Kids always love getting toys for Christmas. And one of my favorite toys to get were Legos. And so uh, I know it's a little random when you're walking in today. Hopefully you're handed a Lego. There's going to be a reason for that. Um... But I loved getting Legos. I loved playing with Legos. That was one of my favorite things to do. And uh, I'd spend hours, literally, literally hours, in my bedroom playing with Legos. And if any of you played with Legos as a kid, or uh, maybe you have kids and you get to play with Legos again, uh, I love to build you know, forts and spaceships and cities, and I'd make little people and all kinds of stuff. I know they have little Lego people, but I still I made like people and stuff. Because uh, I was weird like that. But um, anyway, I'd build all kinds of stuff. And at the end of the day, I always ended up turning it into some sort of like Lego battle. There'd be, you know, Legos flying around my room and they'd be exploding and crashing. And it was always very exciting. Um, but when it was all said and done, uh, there's one rule with Legos. You got you to pick up your Legos when you're done, right? Because no one wants to step on a Lego. Legos hurt. I've stepped on a few Legos. Again, if you have kids... You've probably stepped on a Lego or two during the night, walking to the bathroom. Um, if you're a kid, you've probably stepped on your own Legos at some point, too. Someone actually took a picture of a Lego at nighttime, and they morph, they change. I don't know if you know this or not, but in the dark, <laughs> they actually grow these little spikes, and that's why it hurts so much. And uh, yeah, I think it makes sense. Um, <laughs> there's a, another picture, I love this, uh, someone took at a, at a clinic, at a doctor's office, you know, they always ask you, please describe the pain that, that you're experiencing on a scale of 1 to 10. 10 in this case would be stepping on a Lego, and uh, I can relate to that. I think that's so true. Um, but I, I, what's the point? I think we're all like Legos, and follow me on this, okay? I think we're all like Legos. We, uh, Legos have connectors. They all have connectors. The Legos that you're holding, some of them might have one connector, you know, one little, uh, one little things sticking up from it. Um, some of them might have multiple connectors. And I think we're like that because we connect with other people. We, we have this uh, inner need. We're relational and we like to connect with other people. If you're an introvert like me, I'm an I'm a introvert, I'll connect with, you know, I'll have five good friends and I'm set. I, I really don't need more than that. Uh, Pastor Eric, he's a bigger Lego. He has multiple connectors if you're an extrovert. <laughs> you know, you might want to have 40 or 50 good friends, and, and you're good. And uh, sometimes when my friends aren't looking, I might just for a season remove one of my Lego connectors just to make room so that I can add someone else on and uh, spend time with that friend. Sorry, my headset's falling off here. Um, I'll do that sometimes, and I think a lot of us do that. And with social media these days, uh, something happens like with Facebook. Uh, sometimes people will remove connectors on Facebook, and, and I've experienced that too. You go to a friend's Facebook page because you haven't heard from them in a while or you haven't seen one of their posts, and up at the top, instead of it saying friends with a little check mark, it says those two words that 
kind of sting a little bit. It says, add friend, and you're like, what? <laughs> what happened? Why, why did they unfriend me? And it can be, it, it can hurt. And uh, back in, random story, but it kind of relates to it. Back in January 2009, uh, Burger King, I don't know if any of you remember this or not, it was a really short marketing campaign, but Burger King had this marketing campaign, and they said, if you drop 10 of your friends on Facebook, if you unfriend them, they said, we'll, we'll, we'll give you a voucher for a free burger. And so, do you think anyone started dropping their friends on, on Facebook? Like, a lot of people did. And what made it really bad was, normally if you get unfriended, you don't get a notification. Well, <laughs> what um, Burger King started doing is they would send an email to every single person that got dropped, and they'd say, hey, just a heads up, your friend so-and-so, they'd say the name, they said they just dropped you as a friend, they unfriended you, and they did it for one-tenth of a burger because you had to drop 10 friends to get a burger. And people got really angry, and they started sending hate mail to Burger King, and they started you know, calling them up and screaming at them. And after one month, Burger King stopped the marketing campaign because it really backfired. And uh, by then, though, the damage, damage had been done. Over 234,000 friendships were ended over burgers, <laughs> which is just insane. But that's what, that's what happened. So, Anyway, I think, I think we're all like Legos. We, we have a desire to get connected, we want to get connected, and we can each connect with a certain number of friends. And so today, uh, we've been going through the, the, the book of Solomon, Song of Solomon. We've been working our way through that this past month. And uh, today we're going to continue on in that. And we're going to be looking still at this relationship between the man and the woman, but we're going to also be looking at friendships because friends are important, friendships affect us. And the question is, does it matter what kind of friends we have? Does it matter who we're friends with? And I would argue, yes, it does. Um, or if you have your note sheets, by the way, this is the, the first uh, fill in the blank on your note sheet. Our friends affect us in many ways. Our friends affect us in many ways. Doesn't matter if you're single, if you're married, um, our friends affect us in many ways. And so if you have your Bibles with you, uh, we're gonna go to Song of Solomon chapter one verse 4 today, and uh, you can also pull out your smartphones, and I'm not, I'm not dumb, I know that some of you, when you pull out your phones, you're probably going to be following the Vikings like, uh, like Ryan in here, and that's okay, I'm not offended. Um, you can also follow up on the screen, but uh, before we go any further, why don't, why don't we just pray? Uh, Lord, we thank you for this time this morning. Um, it's cold out, but we have a nice warm place here to meet. I thank you for this building. I thank you that the school allows us to meet here, that we have that freedom. Um, I thank you for the topic that we're going to be uh, discussing today. Um, Lord, we all have friends. Lord, we all want friends. Friends are a part of our life. And so I pray, Lord, that you can give us some sort of wisdom today, that you can help us in our relationships, that you can help us uh, become more like you. And uh, also pray for those Vikings, Lord, that they win today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're in Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 4. And uh, what we're looking at, we're looking at a relationship. We're looking at a marriage between this man and this woman. And we're going to look at um, what that relationship looks like. And we're going to see there's friends in the story of the woman. And I said story. It's not even so much a story. Pastor Eric said this in previous weeks. It's more of like a, a drama or a musical. It's not really technically a story. But um, anyway, we're going to look at this, let's just call it a musical, and we're going to see in the beginning that this lady has 
her friends. And her friends in Song of Solomon 1 verse 4, they're uh, talking to the woman about her marriage, about her relationship with this man. And so 1 verse 4, it says, We'll exalt and rejoice in you. We'll extol your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. And so what we see here is we see that the friends, they begin by being supportive. These friends, and I'm going to call them friends. Um, I don't necessarily, as we go further into the story, I don't know if I'd consider them friends or not, but here, let's just call them friends. They begin by being supportive. What, what the friends see here is they see that there's a, a good relationship. They see it's something good. There's, there's a lot of passion. Um, there's excitement. There's love. And they like what they see going on. And it's not so much because of the passion or the excitement that they're being supportive. It's more just because they see that it's something good. And they want to affirm that. We see here that friendships matter. Because especially if you're a newlywed, if you're in your first, second, third year of marriage, uh, for anyone here that's married or been married, you know those first few years, they can be challenging. You're making all these adjustments to the married life, and uh, you can go through some rocky patches. And uh, it's important that you have good, supportive friends during those years of your marriage. And even if you're not married, you're, you're going to go through rocky patches in your life. And it's important that you have supportive friends that are going to help you when you go through that. And so we see that your friends, they're going to influence, they can influence the quality and direction of your life. In fact, your friends could actually determine the quality and the direction of your life. I heard there was a, a study that was done, and they said one of the biggest determining factors of uh, what you're going to be like in five years, you can tell just by looking at your friends, looking at your closest friends that you keep around you. If you want to see what you're going to like, uh, maybe where you're going to live, the things that you're not going to like, um, what you're going to find funny or entertaining or hobbies, all those kinds of things. A lot of that is affected by your friends. In Proverbs 12, 26, there's a few verses I'm going to go through really quickly here. Uh, the Bible backs this up. Proverbs 12, 26 says, A righteous man is cautious in friendship, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. And 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. So we see, we see that friendships matter. Just looking right at the Bible, friendships matter because friends, they, they influence. And to be honest, on the flip side, how you speak to your friends matters too. You can influence your friends. For example, in marriage, if you, uh, you know, if you're a guy like me, if you speak well of your wife around your friends, your friends are going to tend to speak well of your wife too. And, uh, you know, same thing if you're a woman. If you speak well of your husband, your friends are going to tend to speak well of your husband. And in friendships, you know, we all have our circles of friends. If you have one friend that doesn't happen to be hanging out with you that night when you're with your friends, and if you're speaking ill of that friend, your friends are going to start, it'll taint the way that they think of that friend, and they a lot of times will start to also speak negatively of that friend. It goes both ways. So we can influence our friends just by the way that we talk. And so we have one verse, it was one verse four, we just saw that the friends were encouraging, they're affirming this relationship, they see that it's a good thing. Um, but now we want to fast forward to uh, chapter five, verse eight we're going to look at. And last week, uh, Pastor Eric talked about um, conflict, because in every relationship, conflict is bound to happen. And I should clarify, like, in every uh, true, authentic relationship, 
conflict is going to happen. It's bound to happen. And uh, except for me, my wife and I, we've been married for almost 17 years. We have not argued yet. Um, but I know it's bound to happen one of these days. Um, and I'm joking, by the way. She'll probably, uh, I'll hear about that after church today. That'll be my, my first argument for the day. Um, in 5 or 8, uh, again, uh, now this is the woman speaking, okay? She says, I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, that you tell him I'm sick with love. And so what's happening here is there's been an argument, and the husband has left his wife, not like left, left, but he left the house, he ran out, he's gone out into the city. Uh, his wife, she doesn't know where he's gone to, and I don't know if he's left out of frustration, or I don't know if he's left out of anger, or maybe he's just trying to diffuse the situation, or maybe, you know, maybe his wife was like, I just need you to leave for a little bit, because this isn't going well right now, just go. And so the husband left, and now the wife has gone out into the city, and she's looking for him, because she's probably cooled down a little bit, and, uh, or maybe he's just been gone for a while, and she's thinking, okay, it's time for us to kind of, you know, come back, reconcile this relationship. Maybe some of you can think back to, uh, you know, uh, when you're dating, or maybe newlyweds, some point where uh, you had a big argument, or maybe that first big argument, and it got really heated, and someone just left. They're like, okay, it's time to go. I, uh, I remember that when I was married, uh, when I first got married, when my wife and I had our first big argument, and it kind of played out like that. And it, it's normal, that happens. But anyway, the wife, she's gone out to the city, she's looking for her husband, she wants to make things right, and she runs into her friends. And she says to her friends, if you find him, let him know I'm looking for him, I'm, I'm sick. And not sick in love, but more sick at the absence of the one that she loves. She, she, she wants to get back together. And so... I don't know, I picture like if you're, you know, you're having this argument, you have this big blow up, and then you go out, you run into your friends. Or nowadays, we probably wouldn't go running out into the city looking for the other person. Maybe we'd send out a group text message to our good friends and we'd say, hey, if, if you happen to run into them or if you happen to know, you know where they are, please let them know I'm looking for them. I, I just say, I, I got to talk to them. Um, I would hope that the friends would be supportive in that, but in this case, it doesn't really go that way. Um, we're going to see that the friends actually, they, they question their support. They question their support. Um, Song, uh, Song Solomon 5.9 says, What is your beloved more than another beloved? Now these are the friends that are speaking to the woman. They say, What is your beloved more than another beloved, O most beautiful among women? What is your beloved more than another beloved that you thus adjure us? And so, it's kind of, I don't know, flowery language here, but what they're saying here basically is, what's so great about your husband? They're saying, what's so great about him? They're, they're being sarcastic. They're like, hey, Wonder Woman, what's so great about your Superman? You know, what, what's, why is he so great? Why are you spending your time looking for him? You're wasting your time. I can only imagine the other things that they're probably saying to her, but they're like, you're, you're wasting your time. Just go back home. And it would be really easy for the wife at this point to, uh, to take a step back and say, you know what? You're right. Why am I wasting my time? You know, he was wrong. I wasn't the one that was in the wrong. Um, I'm going to go back home. You know what? If he wants to come back, fine. Otherwise, tell him, don't worry about it. Like, I'm not going to waste my time on this. And it can seem like a little thing, but at this point, that could start to, to, to plant weeds or put a wedge in the relationship. 
the, the friends are starting to influence her in, in, in a negative way. And so that's what they say to her. And I think it's so cool, though, what the wife says, because she, uh, again, it would be easy for her to, uh, to start to feel negatively, to start to speak negatively of, of her husband, but she doesn't. Instead, she does something that's good to do when you're in an argument, when you're in a conflict, whether you're married, whether you're single, whether it's with friends or a spouse, and that's to go back to your, your uh, to affirm, I'll put it this way, to affirm. If you're married, to go back to your vows and to affirm. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, when you affirm, you're, you're talking about the good things. You're, you're talking about the things that you appreciate about the other person. So if it's a friend and you're in conflict with a friend, it can be just going and saying, hey, you know, these are the things that I appreciate about you. You know, I love that you're loyal. I love that you're uh, just your sense of humor. I love uh, how you always just know when I'm feeling down or when, when I need some support. You're always around or whatever it is, whatever you appreciate about your friend. Um, it could be you're a good mechanic or, or uh, you're a good singer or whatever. Um, you dress well. But to affirm with your friend the things that you appreciate about them. And, and same thing when you're married. It's good to affirm the things that you really appreciate. What are you thankful to God for, you know, about this person? It's good to affirm that. And if you're married, you know, you can also go back to your vows. Typical wedding, you're going to take vows. Uh, you're going to say your vows when you're standing up at the altar. Um, typical vows are, you know, things like to have and to hold uh, from this day forward, for better or worse, for richer or poor, in sickness and health, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, those are the type of vows I said at, at my wedding, and, and I love good puns, and so, you know, thinking back to our wedding day, if I could go back, I think it would have been fun to throw some puns in there for our vows, and I, just an example that, that came to mind, you know, my wife is in here today, I, you know, I, I could have said, hey, Christina, you know, um, I just think this would have gotten great on my wedding day. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Christina, when we conspired to sneak into the walrus enclosure at the Minnesota Zoo, I knew at that moment that our bond was sealed. <laughs> you know, I think that that would have been so much more romantic and, and memorable. But anyway, it's good to go back to your vows. And so the woman right here, she, the, her husband isn't here, but she... Uh, she she starts to affirm what it is that she loves about her husband. She's speaking this to her friends who are just mocking her husband. And she says, this is uh, verses 10 through 16. She says, My beloved is radiant and ruddy, distinguished among 10,000. His head is the finest gold. His locks are wavy, black as a raven. His eyes are like doves beside streams of water, bathed in milk, sitting beside a full pool. His cheeks are like beds of spices, mounds of sweet-smelling herbs. His lips are lilies, Dripping liquid myrrh, his arms are rods of gold, set with jewels. His body's polished ivory, bedecked with sapphires. His legs are alabaster columns, set on bases of gold. His appearance is like Lebanon, choice as the cedars. His mouth is most sweet, and he's altogether desirable. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. And so she, she thinks that her husband is masculine. She thinks he's more masculine than you know, Hercules here, but it's not the big muscles that she misses. It's his companionship. It's his friendship. That's what she misses the most. She says, this is my friend. She's reminding herself at this moment, as well as her friends, what it is that she finds so special. And there's a great 
quote I love here. It's from Daniel Estes. who says, In marriage, it's easy to lose sight of how special one's spouse is. The inexorable duties of life can dilute the delight of intimacy so that what used to provoke excitement now evokes only a yawn. Indifference is a lethal blow to intimacy because it communicates that the relationship is not as valued as it should be. So, again, don't lose sight of how special your spouse is. If you're engaged or dating, don't lose sight of how special that person is. If you're single, don't lose sight of how special your friends are, how special your family are. It's, it's just good to remember that. You know, what makes the other person outstanding? And tell them that. Life is short. You know, a lot of times we know all the things that we appreciate about the people that we love, but we don't always tell them. And so her friends ask her, they say, what's so special about your husband? And she answers, she says, you know, think Cedars of Lebanon. He's tall, he's strong, he's handsome. He's my lover, he's my friend. That's, that's my answer. You ask, that's, that's my answer. And she says, any more questions? And I love their response, because at this point, they change their tune. And they say, yeah, you know, we have, we have one more question. How can we help you guys get back together? How can we reconcile this relationship? And so we see here, how it flips, and it's a good reminder how our friends can influence us, how her friends very easily could have influenced her at this point. And it's a good reminder how we can influence our friends. So at this point, um, they, uh, the friends, they recommit to the couple. Uh, in chapter 6, uh, verse 1, they say, where has your beloved gone, O most beautiful among women? Where has your beloved turned that we may seek him with you? So we can see that words, you know, they definitely influence. And so I had some questions. I'm getting close to what that Lego is about. I'm not quite there yet. Um, I have some questions. Just to think about, some questions to ponder. First question is, what kind of friends do you have? You know, do you have friends that are going to support you when you're going through rough times? Because it is, again, important who we choose as our friends. Do you have friends that are going to support you? If you're in a relationship, do you have friends that are going to help build up your relationship and reconcile your relationship? Because we're all going to go through rough patches at some point. So it's good to look at who your friends are before you're going through those rough times so that you just know that you're going to have friends that are going to be there for you. Uh, number two, how do you speak to your friends about your spouse? Or if you're single, how do you speak to your friends about your friends? Number three, how can you be a better friend to those that are going through conflict in their marriages or relationships? Because, like I said, we're, we're all going to go through conflict. We're all going to go through rough times. And so if, you're, uh, if you have friends that are married, if it just so happens that all the friends that you're connected with, if they're married, um, you know, they're going to go through rough times. How can you support them? How can you be a better friend of them? Maybe none of your friends are married. And so, you know, in that case, how can you be a good support to them? Because they're going to go through rough times, too. And I guarantee you, if it seems like none of your friends are going through a rough time, I can guarantee you at least one of them is going through a rough time, even if they don't show it. And so it can be good sometimes if it seems like someone's doing great, just to check in and say, can we grab coffee? Can we catch up? What, you know, how's work going? How's your life going? And, and talk. And you may find out that they're going through some really tough stuff. And that could be a chance for you to be a good, supportive friend to them. And sometimes, though, our friends, you know, we're all human. Even if our friends are good friends, they're not always 
going to check in with us. They may not sense when we're going through a rough time. We could be depressed. We could be at a low point. And our friends may think everything's good. And they may not, not, uh, not be there for us. And uh, I found in my life, you know, <laughs> Jesus, he's, he's our truest friend. He's, he's always there. He always knows what's going on in our life. And that's, that's special, you know. Jesus, he's our truest friend. He, he laid down his life for us. He, he made the ultimate sacrifice for us. And on top of that, he commands us to love our friends as he loved us which is a big commandment. In John 15, uh, verses 12 through 17, this is Jesus speaking. He says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed that you should go and bear fruit, and that fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. These things I command you, that you will love one another. So Jesus commands us to love our friends as he loved us. And now, this is, this is random, okay, but I have some pictures of some food that I'm going to have up on the screen here. Um, when we go out to a good restaurant, okay, we, if we experience good food, if we experience good service, we usually tell our friends about it, right? We want our friends to know. Uh, a few weeks ago, one of my friends, uh, Jeremy, took me out to, uh, it's a brand new cheesecake factory in Minnetonka, and I got, well, we shared the uh, fried chicken sliders. Um, I had fish and chips. You know, you got to take, got to take pictures of it, right? Got to put it on Instagram, got to put it out there and show everyone, hey, this is great, the service was good. Uh, we had cheesecake too. Jeremy ate up the cheesecake before I could actually get a picture of that, but it was really good cheesecake. And... I've told so many people about that experience since that day. And uh, why do we share good things that we experience? Like, what motivates us to do that? Um, one of the big reasons is because it makes us feel good. And, you know, regarding Jesus, we should be just as passionate about sharing Jesus with the people in our lives as we get passionate about sharing a good movie that we saw or you know, this good food that we ate or the good service that we had. We should be just as passionate about that, but the thing is, it gets really difficult sometimes to share our faith, just to tell someone about Jesus, just to talk about Jesus. Um, when we do, uh, or, you know, we, we get nervous about it, or we think that it's not okay to talk about God. Usually, we really think it's not okay to talk about Jesus. Um, we've bought, many of us, we've bought into this lie from Satan that says we can't share our faith. We can't talk about Jesus. We can only talk about God. We can only say the name God if we're taking God's name in vain or if we're saying God bless you or something like that. Or we think that if we, you know, talk about Jesus that um, someone's going to ask us questions about the Bible and they're going to stump us and then we're going to look stupid or feel stupid. And so we don't want to share Jesus. And the thing is, like, at Mosaic Church here, we make it a point every single week to talk about the good news of Jesus Christ. We want this to be a place where you know, people can come and hear the good news of Jesus. And so um, I've struggled many times, just being, you know, real honest. I've struggled to, uh, you know, share Jesus with other people. I get nervous about it. And uh, just throwing this idea out there, you know, invite people to church. Invite them to Mosaic. Or if you're visiting from another church today and you go to another church where they talk about the good news of Jesus, you know, if this is the only time you're going to be here, that's, that's cool, that's fine. 
Invite them, or don't just invite them, bring them to church. Bring your friends to church. Tell them, you know, I'm going to pick you up, I'm going to bring you to church, we'll grab coffee after church, you know, we'll go out, we'll, we'll grab some dessert, we'll go to Cheesecake Factory, we'll, you know, grab some cheesecake, but bring them to church. And if they're too skittish about coming to church with you, maybe invite them to a small group. At Mosaic Church, we have small groups because we value connections. We know how important it is to connect. And that's why every semester at Mosaic Church, we, uh, we start up new small groups. We, we want to give people a chance to connect. Um, going back to what I was saying in the beginning about us being like Legos, us being like connectors, um, I'm convinced that your average church that you go to isn't full of unfriendly people. I really don't think it is. I think your average church is full of people whose connectors are already full. And you walk in, and you might be there for a few months and everyone seems really friendly, but you can't figure out a few months later why it is that you just haven't connected with other people. And I think it's because we're busy, we're too busy, and our connectors tend to be full or overloaded. And so we have small groups here because it gives people a chance to connect. Every semester we start new small groups. So um, that can be a great place to bring a friend. You know, let them connect with other good people and let them encounter Jesus. And so the Legos, the reason why I wanted each of you to have Legos, someone donated some Legos for you all this morning, is because I'd like each of you to bring your Lego home, and I'd like the Lego to be a reminder to you throughout the week. This might sound weird, but put your Lego somewhere where you'll see it. And just look at that Lego throughout the week, and when you look at the Lego, I want you to just be reminded of this challenge that I'm going to put out there, and I want you to be praying for this Lego. Well, don't pray for the Lego, but pray for what it represents. The Lego doesn't need your prayer, but um, let the Lego represent one friend that you have that you would like to invite to church or um, to a small group. And just pray for them. And that's my challenge. Bring them to church. Bring them to a small group. Give them a chance to connect with Jesus. Give them a chance to connect with other Christians, other, you know, good people. The people here at Mosaic Church are good people. So, you know, bring them to a small group. And um, if you're... Uh, yeah, or here's, I'm going to give you two challenges. You can do that, or, I'm trying to think if I want to do this or not. Go for it. Mm, I don't know. Um, <laughs> that's going to be it. That's going to be it. I'm going to, I'm going to make that the challenge, okay? I was going to add on, but that's good. Yep. Uh, that's your challenge. So my question for you, just to, to kind of close out with is, you know, what are you willing to do? to be a good friend, you know, to possibly change the quality and the direction of your friend's life. That's, that's the challenge for you. You know, I, uh, and the, the band, you guys can come up. Um, last time I was up here, I spoke a little bit about a youth group I was in, and I'm going to go back to that. When I was in high school, you know, I grew up in the church. I was a Christian from a young age. But, you know, there's like different levels, different depths that you experience Jesus in your life. When, um, when I was growing up, I was a Christian, but it was my junior year of high school. We tran I transferred to a new school. We moved to a new city. And I was in Spanish class, and there's this one guy who had uh, really random, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but he had two prosthetic legs. I had never talked to him before. I didn't know his name. And randomly one day, he invited me to his youth group. And it was at his youth group. I, I took him up on it. You know, he took a chance. He said, hey, you want to come? come check it out? I said, sure. So I, I came to the youth group, and it was in that youth group that I really 
truly encountered Jesus like on a deeper level for the first time in my life. And that's when God really got a hold of me and changed, changed my life. And, you know, I've experienced life uh, before that and life after that. I've experienced life without Jesus and life with Jesus. And I don't want to go back. You know, I don't ever want to go back to life without Jesus. And so just think about those friends you have. Who's someone that you'd like to, to influence? Who's someone you'd like to be able to experience Jesus in that way? And so um, I'm going to close in a quick pray, uh, prayer here. And then uh, the band will take it from there. So, uh, Lord, I, again, I thank you for this time that we had. I pray, uh, Lord, that each person can bring their Lego home, that they can uh, just really think about it, not forget about it, and, and that you can help bring someone to mind that, uh, that, they can, that they can bring to church or someone that they can bring to small group. I pray, God, that you would guide their relationships I pray, Lord, that you can help everyone in here uh, be better friends to the people in their life, that they can help influence the, the quality and the direction of their friends' lives. I pray, Lord, for uh, the people that they are, for the friends that they are going to bring to church, God, that they would encounter you and that you just totally get a hold of their life, that they'd experience Jesus and uh, that they'd never be the same. So I, I uh, just give this to you, Lord. Thank you for, thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen.